Are you a product of your upbringing? Real life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelist Ann and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Later in the show, you'll hear from Daniel Jacobson, who grew up with a mother and father addicted to methamphetamines and spent a lot of his adult life hooked on various different drugs. You know, for me growing up, I just felt like this is my life. This is who I am. And I didn't like some of the things that I lived with. My mom was a single parent. She smoked pot and my friends loved her and got along, but it was a part of my life that I actually hated and didn't want that in my life, but it was who I was and how I was brought up. Yeah, I think a lot of people can get their identity from their upbringing. I mean, it's no wonder why parents work so hard to get their kids in a quote-unquote good school. Mm -hmm. Because those parents know that how their child is raised is going to play a big role in their future, right? Mm -hmm. But what about the person who's raised with a very bad upbringing? Yeah. And is there any hope? Because Mm -hmm. if we're just going to be a result of our upbringing then there really is no hope for a lot of people and they're Mm -hmm. just going to be stuck in a cycle. Mm -hmm. But what do the Holy Scriptures reveal about this? What I really love about this is that the Bible prescribes a different way. The Bible says that we can have a real change, Mm. that we can actually break free from the bondages, I'm going to call them that, of our upbringing, the things that we've learned and lived through that could hold us back. Mm And the past can hold you back. And I think yeah. many listening right now, they feel that way. They feel like, gosh, if I could only get over this one habit, if I could only learn this, if I could only learn success, if I could only learn something new. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news in Isaiah 43, 18, 19, it says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Mm. What I love about this verse, and this is a verse and a prophecy of Jesus Christ of Nazareth Mm. coming to this earth. He was that new thing. When we receive Jesus, Mm -hmm. he's going to make our wilderness or our desert, he's going to make rivers to come out of that. Mm -hmm. So that's the good news that I get from Yeah, and if we turn to Jesus, he can break the family cycle so that we're doing things we never thought we could do before. Let's hear from Daniel Jacobson after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Lay. Hello, everyone. Joining us is Daniel Jacobson, and he was born addicted to meth. At 13 years old, he ended up getting addicted to meth again, and through that, later on, wanted to just die. Let's find out what happened. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I understand that you were addicted to meth as a baby, and life was very rocky and hard for you as a child. At two years old, your dad was taken to prison, and there was so much happening. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was actually my very first memory was watching him get ripped out of the car. He got pulled up for armed robbery and kidnapping, and he was gone primarily most of my life. He got out when I was 17. Wow. And so being addicted to meth as a baby, were you with your mom, the one that birthed you? Was she able to take care of you, or were you taken away at that point? 
No, I was with my mom and kind of in between my mom and my grandmother and my grandmother raised me off and on, but uh, primarily with my mom and, you know, whatever guy happened to be around at that time. Mm. So as you're growing up in and out of being with grandma and being with your real mom, what were you going through as a young boy? I was going through a lot, just confusion and anger and hatred, even at a young age. You know, I didn't know how to trust anybody. Everybody that I had around me, you know, they were in and out of prison, in and out of jail. My mom and my stepdad, they cook dope for a living. That's what they do. That's what I was raised around. And that was like a normal, you know? Mm. So when were you first introduced to drugs after being addicted, being born? Was there this desire already in you or did that come later on? I don't know if the desire was there. It was just like it was normal to watch people drink and it was normal to watch people sit around the table and cut up lines or, you know, it was normal to walk into a bedroom and see a lab set up. So it was just every day, you know, it was like part of the rite of passage. Mm. So as you were growing up, you ended up hanging around some friends that were smoking weed and drinking. Did you have any thoughts of wanting to be away from that? Or did you think, well, this is just life, so I'm going to do it too? Oh, that was most definitely life. You know, I was hanging around my friends whose parents were my parents' friends. So, you know, it was normal for them too. So it was just something that we seen happen every day. And it was just part of it. Mm. So you started smoking weed and drinking alcohol. And when you did that, what was the feeling that you got through doing that at that time? It was a feeling of relief, made me happy. And at that time, I didn't even really know what happiness was, you know, and I just felt something other than who I was. At the time, I was filled with anger and rage and hatred and all this stuff and confusion. And when I drank, I didn't think about anything else. And when I smoked, I was happy. Mm-hmm. So it was a way to take myself out of who I was and out of the current situation, you know? Wow. A way to hide the pain that you were going through. And it escalated from there. You started to do meth and other drugs. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. You know, it was whatever I can get my hands on. You know, it was meth because it was available. It was everywhere. And then, you know, it was cocaine because it was social and it was fun and my friends were doing it and they had it. And then I hurt my back and got introduced to, you know, prescription opiates and Vicodin and Oxycontin and all that stuff and started shooting up, you know, the Oxycontin. And it just didn't last long enough. And a friend of mine's like, here, you know, try some of these. My mom takes these and gave me some methadone. And from the first time I tried methadone, it was a full on love affair. It was anything I needed to do to get my hands on more is what I was willing to do. Wow. It just seems so difficult because you really didn't have a chance at life starting out, you know, being around drugs and then getting into it. And it was just part of your life. What kind of emotional state were you in, in your teenage years? And as you were addicted, were there things that you yearned for or desires that you had as you got older besides being a drug addict? I was an only child. I grew up an only child, but I knew people that had families and had friends and I've always wanted that. You know, I wanted my dad to be around. I wanted, you know, the mom that I could bring friends over that I would be happy with. And, you know, I always blamed my unhappiness on my mom and on my dad because they weren't there and they chose drugs and alcohol over me. But it took me a long time to realize, you know, that they did the best they could with what they had. And uh, I love my mom and my dad and my stepdad. I love my family, you know, Mm -hmm. but I played that victim role for a long time and it never got me anywhere. Mm. Mm. So you were really seeking out what might be, quote, like a normal family, just a family where you can bring your friends, hang out, but you felt that embarrassment and uncomfortability with your family at that time. Yeah, there was a lot of shame. And I mean, ultimately, I think I wanted what everybody wants. I just wanted to be loved and accepted. Mm, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So you ended up finding a woman that you fell in love with and got married and had kids. Did you think that life would get better at that point? 
Yeah. You know, I was building that picture that I seen in my head and I thought everything was going to be better because I had this and I had that, you know, I was looking for who I was and the things that I had and the people I had around me, but it didn't make me happy. Wow. And so many people, they're out there just searching for what will make them happy. And when they finally get it, they're like, well, this isn't making me happy. And they're on this constant search. I know I was. And really, you later on found out what that would be. And we'll get to that. But before we do, as you continued being a dad and being married, you still did drugs. How did that affect your relationship? It was horrible. It ruined everything around me, pushed myself further into the pills. I was working, trying to maintain, you know, the work life and bringing home the paycheck because I thought that's what a dad and a husband and a man was supposed to do is just bring home the money to pay the bills. And it left me emotionally unavailable. You know, there was no fulfillment and left the mother of my daughter unhappy. And it just caused all kinds of devastation throughout both of our families. Now, I understand when you were a little bit younger at 18, you did try rehab, but that didn't work. It failed. And then now, of course, we move forward to you being married, doing drugs, and your marriage is getting ruined through this. But you ended up where you almost died. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. You know, any kind of opiate, any drugs are bad. Methadone was my thing. It was really horrible for me. It led me through five different overdoses, and a few of those were flatlines. And I remember I woke up in the hospital. I was there to get more meds and came up with this whole fake story of why I needed them. And Mm -hmm. I was overdosing and I didn't even know it. And when I woke up, I remember telling the doctor, I'm like, why am I here? And I'm handcuffed to the bed. The doctor's like, well, you're here because your respiratory system shut down and you flatlined, you coded out on us and we got Narcan in your body. Now it's the only reason why you're alive. And all I could think about was I needed to get out of that hospital because I had another prescription waiting at another pharmacy. Wow. Even on your deathbed after you died, the only thing you could think of, you were a slave to drugs And, you know, some of us out there, we're slave to something other than God, and we're trying to be filled and fulfilled. And the good news is something happened in your life that brought you to your knees. And we're going to talk about that in our next show. But for now, we're going to pray for those who feel like they're either a victim to their circumstances or they're slave to an addiction. And we believe people are going to get set free through your testimony. So we're going to have you on our next show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. As I hear this story, it just reminds me of how life can be so hard for many of us. How life can be so hard. And as we grow up, we go through these difficulties Mm -hmm. that we can feel this confusion, this anger, like something's just not right. And it's so easy to turn to those substances to get a temporary relief, not realizing that that temporary relief as we're hearing it, is bringing up a daily result. Mm -hmm. And so, Father God, I'm just praying right now for the listener who's really identifying with his story and saying, gosh, you know, I'm always feeling uncomfortable when I'm sober Mm. or when I don't have any substances in me. Mm. And Lord God, we know, Lord, that you are the one who can replace those feelings of confusion and anger or whatever it might be that you can replace it with your peace, your love, your joy. Wow. Yeah. And it's real. Lord God, I know it. I've experienced it. And I'm praying right now for the individual who is missing those things and who needs it to receive it right now. Jesus, we love you. Yes. We're asking for your peace. We're asking for your joy. We're asking, Lord God, for you to come inside our lives, mm-hmm. to fulfill us mm-hmm. from the top of our head to the bottom of our toes. Yeah, We ask for that right now in Jesus' mighty name. And if that's you and you're addicted and you're chasing after that, whatever that is, I just say right now, lift up your hands and say, Jesus, save my soul. 
Set me free from this addiction and fill me up. Call out to him and he can set you free. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Real Life.